<laughs> uh, my awesome father, but he is the founder of Faith Builders Church. Back in 1989, he launched Beloit, Wisconsin, sent my brother into Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we have a legacy building here right here in North Phoenix because of their labor of love. And he's going to pour into our church this morning, so I want you to pull on that anointing, amen. Don't let familiarity hit you. Pull on the word of God today because there's going to be a spiritual impartation. So give a warm welcome to my dad. All right. Hallelujah. <clears throat> All right. You may be seated. For those who stood, you'll have a green star by your name, gold star by your name. If you didn't stand, well, what can I say? <laughs> How y'all doing? Good? You're looking good. You know, there's so many new faces here. I'm like, who are you all? There's Tony. How you doing, Tony? Good to see you, my man. You know, I was looking on a platform and, and all these new folks up here. Isn't that wonderful to see new people? To me, that's what ministry is all about. I really love it uh, so much. And uh, uh, Ella Siva's up here. Come on, somebody. She came to the church. How old was she when she came to the church? Yeah, she's like two or three or I don't know. She's five. Where are you? Five. Five, five. Yeah, she was five years old. It's amazing to see her up here. That's amazing. I love to see people growing in the kingdom and all of that stuff. And what can I say about kale? What? You must be an apostle, prof, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher because you definitely married up. Don't worry, you'll get prettier with time, Kale. Just take on the attributes of what you marry. I was a mud fence when I married my wife. Now I'm just the fence, hallelujah. But, I, but I'm still there, praise the Lord. Isn't it amazing how God gives us beautiful women? I mean, how God gives men beautiful women? Got to be careful today. A lot of... PC stuff out there, which I thoroughly do not believe in. But anyway, so good to see you all. It really is. What a blessing uh, to be here. I'm going to do a little bit different today. I'm going I'm to bring all the, um, uh, the team up. I think I'll do that now. I'm going to have, when I say team, guys, uh, here's what I want. I want pastors and elders and their wives come and stand. Would you come and stand, please? Pastors and elders and your wives. I know there's a lot of you. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of you that are working everywhere in the ministry, and I saw the great crowd. What a great crowd of leadership! It's amazing, and um, and it's it's a blessing to see all of you doing something for the kingdom. But this this is kind of the backbone of what of what God's raised up here, and it's amazing to see it happen. I'm so thrilled that my daughter is. Hey, come on, you know. <clears throat> She's known as PB. So I got to learn to call her PB. You know, so that's what she is. I remember when she was about that high and she was standing in front of the mirror in her bedroom and she would set up chairs in her bedroom. Seriously. And she was standing there and she would preach to the chairs. And, and, 
And I thought, well, that was back in the day when women weren't allowed to preach. Whatever. Yeah. No, no, nobody told the anointing. You can't. But anyway, so uh, now she's a, she's, a, she's a great lead pastor and putting a ministry together and doing a great job and preacher and all kinds of good stuff. So it's exciting. And then to see all of these incredible people. How many love Pastor Paul? The key is, does Jennifer love Pastor Paul? <laughs> Are you married up? I, we all know that, Paul. I mean, we could, that's obvious. <laughs> like that's a revelation or something. <laughs> no, I love these two. They, they've been our kids in the faith forever. How long, Paul? I mean, it's like 25 years since they've been our kids in the faith. And so very, very, very. I see him up here preaching. I catch him on YouTube now and then. I'm a, I see him. Is it YouTube, YouTube or something else? Uh, and I see him preaching. I'm thinking, he, he kind of looks like me a little bit. <laughs> He's skinnier, but he looks like. Anyway, praise the Lord. And uh, I mean, the rest of you, the elders and pastors and the ministries that you do, and to see you ministering at the pulpit and see you ministering in the church, it is a blessing. I think that. God wants to take you a little bit higher. Come on now, a little bit higher. I got a lot to share with you someday, but not today. But uh, how this all connects and how God connects the anointing. The anointing is a connection. You realize that. You're not singly anointed to do what you think you're supposed to do. Because when you do that, you get in trouble. But we, the anointing is like a, it's like a electricity where, you know, one guy's got his finger in the socket, you know, and he's, he's gyrating with electricity. And then he grabs somebody else's hand, and they begin to gyrate in electricity. And that chain go on and on and on. That's the anointing. The anointing does that. The anointing makes everybody excited. Everybody go to another level altogether. So this is where, really, this church is poised right now. And there's some great things I can share with you. I'm not going to do it today, but I'll share with you another time. In fact, I'm committed to coming back twice a year. All right, twice a year. Well, I will be back in October, but that's kind of a special thing because our granddaughter's getting married and all this kind of stuff or whatever. And uh, we, uh, we're, we're, we're committed to come back twice a year. We haven't set the dates yet, but I can tell you right now, they're going to be in January and February. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, back to back. In fact, I'm going to do the last week of January. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, stay for a month. <laughs> but anyway, we appreciate you all. And on a serious note, I want these guys to be so anointed that they, don't, they can't hardly stand them, be around themselves. They'll preach to themselves to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. That's how anointed they're going to be, all right? Now, I'm going to do something a little bit more crazy. Everybody who's at that meeting that, you, that you're, what do you call them? They're just team leaders. All the team leaders, which you stand and come forward. Get behind all these, all these folks right here real quick. Because you're cutting into my time, and I, I can't. <clears throat> you can give my hand. It's okay. Give my hand. Yeah. All the team leaders. There you go. Now I want you to as close as you can. I want, as close as you can. I want you. There's Karen. Uh, uh, as close as you can. I want you to 
reach and touch these folks if you can in the front, the pastors and elders. Just reach out and touch them, okay? Here we go. Church, let's take them to another level of anointing. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. Everything done here today is done in your honor and for your glory. And may the anointing that my wife and I carry right now be just infused into those that you called to this house in Jesus' name. May a special anointing begin to flow like a mighty river in the name of Jesus. May the hunger of God be stronger and stronger. May revelation knowledge begin to flow like a mighty river. And we thank you for strength. And we thank you for healing. And we thank you for blessing in the name of Jesus. And God, I give you praise and glory right now that all you're going to do, Father, is just lift them to a brand new place in you. And may this day be a day that they will never forget that they went higher in Christ, higher in anointing, and the blessing of God comes upon them in a supernatural way. This is ordained of you, and we expect it to happen in Jesus' incredible name. And all the people shouted, Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Now, praise the Lord, honey. I, I, I was in the spirit. My wife left me a note up here. And uh, she said, say something special to the elders and pastors. <laughs> like I just fell off the turnip truck or something. I don't know. But that's my wife. She's taking care of me. Praise the Lord. I, I always tell her, too. I tell her I'll never, all the time. Hey, it's good to see you. Who is brand new in this place uh, for the last six months? Wow, we got quite a few of you. Look at you. Hey, keep it up. Keep winning souls for Jesus. That's what this is all about. I'm going to bring a word to you a little bit, and then I'm going to share with you at the end of this word, take a few minutes, and I'm going to minister to every one of you who want ministry. Uh, but uh, I really want to share with you what I believe God wants me to share for just a few minutes. And then what I want to do is share a revelation that I received from the Lord through, uh, I don't know, agony, the uh, wilderness, uh, dry places, as my wife preached this morning. I mean, all those things we've been experiencing for couple of years since we left here. And uh, you think you're leaving here, you're going to step into the will of God tomorrow. You know, it's going to be wonderful. Transition times are horrible times. They're very difficult seasons. And so we have got incredible direction. I'll be able to share with you soon about the incredible direction. And now Pastor Barb will share as well with you what's going on. But I want to begin by this word and ask you the question, do I really believe because I believe in my heart that there is a shortage of faith in the body of Christ. Shortage of believing in the body of Christ. And when I'm done with this message, when I go to the part I want to, want to share with you what I learned in the past few weeks or so, that I want to share it with you, but I want to share it under an anointing that will help you, that will bring you up to another level. Because none of us, and as I found out, very few, I would say very few in the body of Christ, very, very, very few have ever attained the place I'm about to share with you. But you can. 
and I want to help you get there without having to go through two years of wilderness. How many want to sign up for wilderness? You all are listening, aren't you? How many want to go to the oasis in the desert, right? Absolutely. So, do I really believe? Now, the scripture says, and I'm going to read it out of Luke chapter 18. I have a lot of scripture I can share, and I will make reference to it, but I want to, first of all, get this scripture out there. It's Luke chapter 18, verses 7 and verse 8. And here's what it says. And shall God not avenge his own, his own elect, who cry out to him day or night, to him, though he bears long with them? Watch this. I tell you, Jesus says, that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, will the Son of Man, when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? So do you really believe? And, you know, we've had so much teaching on faith, and, and I'm one of those guys. I love it. I, I think it's incredible. My wife's one of the greatest faith teachers. Man, if you missed that message this morning that she preached, I mean, I'm like, why am I even doing here? You should have just did both services. But I am so proud of her because she was, she's just one of those fireballs that you just can't put out, and I love that about her. Unless you really want to put her out for a day or so, and you can't, but, you know, you <laughs> But I believe that you people, every one of you, are called, and I don't say that lightly, but I believe you're called to live a ridiculous supernatural life, a life that is so on the edge, but you've got to believe for it. You've got to hold on to God for it. You have to go after the impossible situations in your life. You have to be like Noah when he began to build the ark, and it took him all those hundreds of years to build that ark. And you have to be like him that will cause people to mock at your life. If people aren't mocking you, then you're not believing. Because what believers will create an atmosphere around them that people love to criticize and mock. And if you're called, I believe, to a miraculous life, you have to understand that most people will not believe what you believe. You have to get on board with the Word of God, and you have to stay with the Word of God because when the, everything begins to, you know, shake around you, you want to make sure you're not one of those things that shake loose from the kingdom of God. You have to hear the voice of God, and faith comes by hearing the voice of God. So it's really stunning to me as you think about the times that we are living in. Now, most of you, most of you honestly, you just you come here, to church, and you get fed here, and you get the word here, and you get the love here, and you get the companionship, and you get the fellowship, and you have all that excitement around you all the time, every service you come, and you become a family of people. And so most of you don't know really what I'm talking about, but when you're out into the kingdom world, and you begin to see what's really out there, or you see behind the scenes what's really out there, you're going to understand that there is very little what I would labor faith that's uncompromising that's being preached today. Very little of it. There's some, but it's very little. And so God wants to elevate the church to a brand new level. Somebody shout, amen. amen. So it always stuns me to realize that the church who believes in the supernatural doesn't see the supernatural. And my Bible is very clear that when you believe something, you should experience what you believe. And so are we really 
believing? Are we, are we attached to that believing mode in our life? And I believe the call to revival in this hour is the call to overcome the spirit of this age. There is a spirit in this age that is totally different than anything I've ever experienced before. doesn't matter to me what persuasion you are when it comes to Democrat or Republican or Independent or whatever. But what bothers me is that we can see what's happening in our world, in our country today, and the church is so split and divided on both sides. It's almost like, do you really believe the Word of God? Do you really believe the Spirit of God? Do you really believe and know on what side you're really on when it comes to the spiritual move of God? So I believe with all my heart there is a healing generation that wants to come forth. I believe there is a freedom generation that wants to come forth. I also believe in the power of God, not just talking about it, but actually experiencing the power of God. I believe in abundant life. I believe in all those things, but those things are very rare today. You just don't see it. It's preached, but you don't see the effects of what's being preached. So do I really believe? And I believe with all my heart that the call today is really in our lives is as big as it gets. I don't think there's a better generation to be alive than it is right now. I believe our call today is bigger than it's ever been. And yet we see the church almost kind of floundering, wondering what we're supposed to do. And I get it and I understand it because I have actually been there myself as well. So we have to get back to believing God at every single word that God speaks. But I'm going to show you at the end of this message that sometimes even that is not enough. Now, I don't want to bring you down. I don't want you to jump off the cliff. I want you to hang on because we're going to bring you full circle and we're going to help you out. So I believe we have to be believers today. Somebody shout amen. amen. Somebody say, I am a believer. I am a believer. Now, if we all expect really, you know, for God to use us and to get rid of unbelief in our life, then we're going to have to get back into the things of God. I want to understand what God wants me to do. I want to, I want to be able to understand God in such a way that I begin to go and do what I'm supposed to go and do. Well, faith is an action word. It means something that I need to be doing for God. But yet the teaching that has really infiltrated the church of Jesus Christ as a whole has taken people out of the battle and put them into the love boat. And all of a sudden we want to be, we want to be rocked to sleep. We want to be blessed beyond our wildest dreams. We want to have every single thing that we want in the kingdom of God. And we never want to face the reality that it comes down to me believing God in such a way that I'll believe God to the extent that I will go and I will do what he's called me to do. So if you're not doing this thing, if you're not understanding and you're not going and doing, then you're really not believing. Somebody give me a little bit, just, just, just a little bit. Because we're going, we're going there, we're going to get there. Now watch. So I believe with all my heart that the process is that God moves us by his spirit and then we advance in the kingdom and then we go and do what God's called us to do. In fact, I want to go a little bit further than that. And I don't, I don't believe, with all my heart, I don't believe that Jesus takes very kindly on us not believing what he said. 
If you believe that Jesus is the Word of God, according to John chapter 1, then every word that comes out of him is the living Word of God, right? And so when Jesus tells us that we, we have to believe, we have to speak, we have to move, we have to go, and we have to do. And if we're doing those things the kingdom says we're supposed to do, then great is our reward in heaven. So listen very, very, very carefully to what I'm saying. I don't want to just preach and have you get excited and me get excited and we all hug each other and say, I'll see you all next time, you know. It's so easy for preachers like me to get up and just want to exhort you and make you feel good. And I would like to do that. It's not my job today. My job is to help you go from where you are to where you need to be. We want to bring you up to where you need to be. Because some of you have been floundering on the edge. You know why? Because your belief system is out of order. If you get your belief system order, you'll go and do what God's called you to do. What did Jesus say? He said, greater works you're going to do because I go to the Father, right? Simple. And yet the church isn't doing anything near what Jesus did. We're not even remotely getting close to what Jesus did. But yet Jesus said, if you believe in me and you have the Spirit in you, then you will do the works that I did, right? So what did Jesus do? Then we're supposed to go and do what was been done. So whatever's been done, we are called to do. God's not calling you to do something that hasn't been done. It's already been done by Jesus. So we're called to do what's already been done, what has been done. Jesus cast out devils. Then you should go and do what he has done. Jesus healed the sick. We should go and do what he has done. Jesus cast out devils left and right everywhere he went. And yet today, most devils live in the church. Make your, make, your neighbor's neighbor, make your neighbor's ribs sore today. <laughs> say he's talking about you. No, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> say he's talking about me. That's what you can say, right? So this is very important. So faith is an action word. Now watch this. Because after there is a revelation, then comes the action. Remember the woman who had the issue of blood. And uh, she'd been sick for all those years, and she's nearly death, and she spent everything she had. And when Jesus comes along, she pressed in. But she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. So she went about doing what the revelation told her to do. She got a revelation. If I could just do that, then I'll be healed. She got a revelation but it would have stopped there had she not acted on the revelation. So God gives you revelation in order for you to do. Somebody said, shout, do. God wants you to do. So it wasn't just a hope and a prayer that got her healed. It was a revelation and a response to the revelation. So there has to be the response. That's what I'm asking today. Do you really have faith? Do you really believe? Jesus said, look, there's coming a day that will there even be faith found when I come back? We're talking about the end times. We're talking about the day before Jesus comes back. He's talking about the church. Is the church really full of faith? Does the church have faith? Is the church moving in faith? Well, most of the churches are not 
moving in faith. And I know that because blind eyes aren't opening, deaf ears aren't opening, cripples are not walking, people are not getting set free, drugs are still rampant in the body of Christ, sex is rampant in the body of Christ, all kinds of crazy stuff in the body of Christ. And Jesus said, will I even find faith when I come back? Is faith even going to be present when I come back? That's what he's talking about in the end times. So I don't care how holy someone tells you you are or how right someone tells you you are with God or how much God loves you and all this stuff that we're here. And I'm on for all of it, but you got to hear me out. And I believe all of that. But the truth of it is when you stop doing, you stop believing because you never believed in the first place if you're not doing because when you get revelation, you go out and you do. I remember that I got a revelation the moment I got born again. I said, I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. I am saved to the bone. I didn't want to go out and drink. I didn't want to go to party. I didn't want to carouse. I didn't want to do all that stupid stuff. I just wanted to go to church. How did I know I was born again? Because I began to do something with the revelation God gave me. And so should you. And don't fall back prey to that every time you turn around. Every time the devil dangles a carrot in front of your face, oh, my God, and you run off and do the same thing again. Somebody needs to tell you, grow up, begin to get like Jesus, begin to get rid of this crazy thing, and begin to hang on to faith believing because God wants you to prosper and be in health, but you can't prosper and be in health if you don't get the revelation and then go do the revelation. When you're busy about the Father's business, I'm going to tell you something. No devil can get your attention. Are you all here? All right. We're going somewhere. So I believe it comes down to action. And I believe that one of the most critical areas of both the crisis you go through and the opportunity that's before you has to do with identity. No doubt in my mind. I've done series on identity. When a spirit of insignificance speaks to you and you listen to it, you have just believed a lie. Wrong identity absolutely destroys faith and it destroys ministry. It has people hiding from their enemies in caves of complacency. It results in taking a casual approach to ministry that God's called you to. Well, you know, I'm an elder and I'm a pastor or I'm a leader, but hey, you know, if I don't feel like going, I just won't go. You are about to fall off the edge. You're about to go under and you don't even know it. That's the sad part about it. You got to believe, but you got to make your belief exciting by your doing because when God gives you a revelation, you, be, you don't hide in a cave. You begin to take what you have to those who need it. And there's always someone worse off than you are. So if we believe, then the Bible says we advance. And if we work, then we can expect. But you can't believe and expect without advancing and doing. Because when you advance and you work, then you can expect. How many know that if you have a job that starts at 8 o'clock in the morning, works to 5 o'clock in the afternoon, five days a week, and you just don't show up because you just don't feel like it, so you don't punch the clock, right? Then you can't expect something to happen on Friday to get you a paycheck. You see, it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. You've got to do in order to expect. If you don't do it, then don't expect it. I believe. No, you don't, because if you believed, you would be doing. 
And it was such a problem because Jesus said, listen, am I even going to find faith when I get there? I'm not even sure. This is the Son of God who is the Word of God who had to ask the question, will I even find faith when I come again? Well, in my house, I want to make sure he finds faith, but not store it up in a nice little package, believing. I'm talking about a faith that is active, that is doing And do it until the day you die. You never stop doing for the kingdom of God. You continue to do it. Don't wear yourself out. It's been so easy for my wife and I to say, you know what? We've done this for 46 years. Uh, We're going to retire. Just relax. Let, Let the younger people handle it now. Trust me, I thought about that strong and hard. Then all of a sudden, it begins to rise in you. It begins to rise in you. It begins to churn in you. And you realize, I will do this or I will die. If I do not do this, I will die. If I don't have a purpose to get up, I will die. If I don't have a reason to go about God's business, I will die. There is no reason to be on earth without doing what God's called you to do. Faith crisis. Church goes through it all the time. If we don't understand in this hour our identity then we will participate in church only for the reason of our life being enhanced. If you don't participate in faith believing, doing something for the kingdom, then you'll come, you'll be around for a while, and then they'll say, where's so-and-so? What happened to that person? They loved God. They were at the altar. They were crying. They were seeking God. They were, they were so excited. They were part of what we were doing. And all of a sudden, where are they? Has anybody seen them anymore? And they're gone. Why are they gone? And then they blamed the church because the church didn't go after them and call them and whimper after them and cry with them and ball bag about it. And what did we do? Did we offend you? Did we hurt your feelings? Are you kidding me? If you follow Jesus Christ, if you're one of the 12 disciples and you follow Jesus Christ, you were slapped every day of your life by the Son of God and by the Word of God. He said, get behind me, Satan. Who do you think you are? He didn't put up with it because he knew at the end of their life when he was gone, it was going to be handed to them, and the same anointing that he had, it rests upon them and on the inside of them, and now they have to go about doing the Father's business just like Jesus had to do it. But now the church is lulled to sleep on the knees of Delilah. And we're wondering why we're weak and anemic and can barely get out of our bed to get to the house of God, to hear the living word of God preached once again, to feel the spirit of God, to know the anointing is here, to get a revelation from God so I can go out and be about the Father's business. When you leave these doors today, it's not I'm going to go have a big beef sandwich or a spaghetti dinner, and that's all fine, but that shouldn't be your focus. Your focus should be, who can I minister to this gospel that's alive and powerful and this word that's sharper than a two-edged sword? I want to go into people's minds and their hearts and begin to win them for Jesus Christ. You should not have to be taught how to win souls. It should be automatic with you. No, When I got saved, I nobody said, now you sit down, I'm going to tell you how to win souls. Nobody 
had to do that because there was something in me that I got a revelation of that I knew if I didn't tell them, they would go to hell without Christ. And I went right back to those mean old, ugly, big, bruising truck drivers, and I picked out the roughest one I could find, really the most foul-mouthed individual you ever seen. And I grabbed him. I said, I want to talk to you. I pulled him aside. I said, Jesus Christ loves you, and you're going to go to hell without him. And I laid it on him. And he says, boy, I can see you really changed over the weekend. Well, I left the center. I come back a saint. And I said, yeah, I've changed. i got Jesus Christ in my life. And he said, well, that's good for you, but it don't work for me. And I said, well, that's a shame because it did work for me, and he died for you too. But you, and from that day forward, I didn't have to worry about my reputation or hiding behind jokes or not afraid. I'm not part of you anymore. I'm a different man. I'm born again. Filled with the Spirit of God. I have a destiny. Now I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Nobody has to teach you that. If they have to teach you that, you don't have the truth in you because the truth and the knowledge of that will set you free. And you won't be able to go to work and see people around you that's going to hell. You'll see hell wide open and the flames burning and them falling in. You can't sit there and not do something about that. You're going to say, listen, let me tell you who can save you from this is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I told you it's a little bit heavy, but I, but I want you to hear this because this is what, to me, this changed my, what I'm about to share with you, changed my life. So faith is what others will see as evidence that God is who we actually believe that he is. Did you hear that? That's a powerful statement. What is faith to me? Well, it's when we can tithe before we see the money to go out the door to pay the bills. I'm not kidding you. You say, well, that's radical. No, that's Bible. I believe God. And if I can believe, look, I've been debt-free for 25 years, and I'll tell you how I got there. It wasn't by saving every nickel I could and paying the bills off. It's by I'm going to give and give and give and give, and I know that someday it's got to come back to me. It has to come back to me because I got a revelation, and I'm doing what the Word says. Will Jesus find faith in my house? Yes, he will. He'll find faith in my house because I'm doing it. Are you all here? <laughs> I was going to share something, but I, if I shared it, I'd ruin your day. If I shared it, I'd ruin, I'd ruin you. Seriously, I'd ruin you. Now, you'd cry like a baby all day. <clears throat> no, I can't share it. No, I can't do it. Sorry, I can't do that. No, <clears throat> no, I can't. No, I can't. Not if I did. You cry. You cry. Then, okay. Now what? What? <laughs> Look at. I've never seen a church like this. Tell me. Tell me. Hurry up. I want to know. Gotta have it. Shoot me. Hurry up. Kill me. Make my life miserable. That's what faith will do. Come on, come on. Like the, like the cowardly lion, put them up, put them up. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I haven't done that in 25 years. But anyway. When we pray for the sick, I'm getting revelation to this. I want to pray for the sick. When you do that, you're doing what Jesus has done. 
Think about that. When you speak the word of God, I know that, that ministers do this all the time, but when you speak the word of God, you have to stop and think, this is not a message I put together. This is the word of God. In fact, the more I walk with the Lord, the less I put messages together. I'm just like, this is your word. I can stand up in front of you and read the Bible, and I should just move your heart right there. Let's just read Corinthians together. It'll move your heart. Because it's alive, and it'll speak to you, and it'll do things in your life. It'll touch you in a way that no human being can ever touch you, ever. It's faith that does that. Faith is action. My position that I have in Christ becomes my ability, whether I hear or not. My position that I have in Christ becomes my ability, whether I hear or not. So you can hear. Listen. And a crowd decides, everybody's hearing me preach. Everybody's hearing the same word. And there'll be some that walk out of there like, I didn't get a thing out of that. And there'll be other ones that didn't come in to receive anything. All of a sudden, get a revelation of what I'm saying. You say, my gosh, that is really, that's, I'm going to go do something about that. You know, when we obey the word of God, when you obey what God said, that's action. You're taking action. You're doing something about it. I love that scripture. John 10, 27 says, my sheep know my voice, and I know them. I know them. Does Jesus know you? The only way to be united with Christ is to hear and to believe. Now, that sounds so simple. But yet, how many people are in crowds that are being preached to all across America? They hear, but they don't believe. Or I believe, but I'm not going to do anything about it. If I do something about it, do I have a revelation of what I'm doing? Or am I blindly doing what I think is the right thing to do? I want to hear God. I want to hear the word. I want to respond in kind by my doing. I want to respond to see God do things that I've never dreamed possible before. When you are alone for nearly two years, that you, and, and it's a God thing, it's, it was a God thing. God takes you and really kind of goes inside of you and begins to pull everything out of you and expose it to you. Now, most of us know what we're doing wrong is wrong. Most of us know that that's wrong. I should not do that. But I'm not talking about the obvious things. Because obvious things, I got news for you. Even those around you can see your obvious wrongs. I'm talking about things that are so embedded into your personality. They're so embedded into your soul that nobody knows those things but God. And God goes into you. You allow him. He goes into you, and he begins to pull things out of you. He says, look at this. Well, Lord, I, I didn't. I, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't want I'm sorry. I want action. I don't want to hear words. I want you to do something about it. I told you not to do that. Now it's become so part of your characteristics, so part of who you are, so part of your even your soulish realm that's so deep inside of you that now you do it and you don't even get convicted about it anymore. That's how you know that God has pulled back and says, when you invite me in, 
I will come. And I will make your life miserable in the flesh. I will make your life miserable in your soulish area. But I will deal with it. And I will renew your heart. I'll renew your spirit. I'll renew your mind. I'll do some things for you. So these are the things we've been going through, my wife and I. Now, we've not walked away from God in any way, shape, or form. We've gone to church. We've done what we're supposed to do. But our calling was dormant. Dormant. A few weeks ago, before we left Tennessee, and uh, I know where we're going, by the way. I know where we're going to wind up. I know what God told us to do. I just can't tell you yet. And the reason I can't tell you right now is because there are people watching this right now live. <laughs> and if I said, told you, then they would know that we're coming there. And there are some, if they know that we're coming there, they will leave town. <laughs> or they will raise up a standard against us. So I'm waiting on God to take care of all that. But I got a huge promise from God, so I know what's happening. Now watch. Here's what I want to share with you, and then I'm going to pray for all of you, any of you. Remember Peter. What a great man of God, Peter. Technically, he was a lousy man of God. Really. That's why I love him so much. He's just like me, like most of us. But you have Peter, right? Jesus is being beat, going through it. This is what the Lord showed me. He's being beat. He's in agony, pain and suffering. He's carrying his cross, literally, to Golgotha. He's being spit upon. His beard is being ripped out of his face. His back is completely opened all the way to his rib cage because they had beat him so severely. Now I want you to picture that because this is going through him. And remember, Peter was the one who said, Lord, you know, you're not going to die. And he said, get behind me, Satan, for you're an offense to God. Peter was just taken back by that. He didn't understand that. He didn't get it. But a few minutes before that, he got a revelation of who Jesus was. <clears throat> You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And now, fast forward a little bit. He said, I'll die with you. He even took his sword the night Jesus was betrayed, and he cut the servant of the high priest. He cut his ear right off. Jesus picked it back up put it back on the guy's ear, on his head, and he was healed. Peter is this guy that all of us kind of aspire to be, this rough, I'll do anything for Jesus kind of a guy, you know? But now, everything's shifted. Everything's changed. In just a matter of a few days, you have now Peter, who has denied the Lord once, twice, three times. Denied the Lord. And not only denied him in a mental sense, but cursed his way through it. The Bible says he cursed 
That means he was swearing like a, like those truck drivers I used to work with. Swearing coming out of his mouth, blasphemy. I don't know the man. The man, he was the Christ, the son of the living God, and now he's the man. What happened to Peter? You see, these, these are the things that I begin to question. What happened to Peter? What happened that brought Peter to a place in his life that when Jesus is at his most vulnerable place, that he said, I don't even know the man. And then he swore. And then he, something happened, and I'll give you the verse in a minute. But something happened that the Bible, I'm going to give you the verse right now. Something happened. A little ahead of myself, but I want to, I want to read this scripture. Not, I don't have it down, I don't think. <clears throat> so Luke twenty two sixty one. 61. It says that Jesus, now watch this very carefully because we, we see movies and we, it doesn't portray it right. It says that Jesus turned and looked at him. Who? Peter. Jesus turned and looked at him. That means that Peter had to be close enough to hear everything. He wasn't off in the distance in the shadows like it's portrayed in the movies. He had to be close enough to hear, and because there's, there's throngs, there's, there's a mob around Christ, and yet he had to be close enough because with Jesus, the Bible says, when, it, when the rooster, when he denied third time and the rooster crowed, Jesus turned and looked at him. That means that Jesus in his agony and what he was going through took time out of his busy schedule of dying for the sin of mankind to minister to Peter one more time. But it wasn't with words. Watch this. It wasn't with words. It wasn't even the word of God. It was the look. There's a look. There is a look. And that look is what the bulk of Christianity in America has never had. Christ has never looked into you because he's never been allowed to look into you. Now watch very carefully. Have you ever had the look? I have. I had it. Several weeks ago, I was spending, I don't know how much time, my wife can tell you, up at my desk all alone, not knowing what the will of God was, not sure what the will of God was. Never in my life have I ever been so, what is going on? I've even bragged from this pulpit that I can't miss the will of God because I stumble on it, and yet I'm not stumbling. I'm worried. God, are you done with me? If you are, I can accept that. If you are not, then you've got to show me what we're supposed to do. And I had opportunities, guys. It wasn't like nobody was talking to me. I, I, I was asked to preach. I don't, I don't know how many times down there. And I said no every time because I knew nothing could come out of me until I allowed God to look in me. In fact, I had a prophet pull me out, and he says, I know you're a man of God. He says, I know who you are. He says, God wants me to tell you this, that I, he could not put into you as long as the word was coming out of you. And that's why you're here doing nothing. Made sense to me. And I realized 
Because when you keep putting out, you become Peter with all the experiences. You keep doing what you know to do, but you're not allowing God to look into your life. Peter was a man of faith. Peter was a man of miracles. Think about this. I mean, this, it blows my mind that Peter, every day for three and a half years, he saw every miracle, every sign, every wonder that Jesus ever did. He saw it. He was there, not just seen it. He was, he was part of the, the in crowd. Jesus did it to show them who he was by his signs, by his wonders. Now think about that. And he taught them on a consistent basis all the time. In fact, there was experience when he's, Peter went up on the mount, remember, and Jesus was transformed or transfigured on the mount of transfiguration. I love that story. And up there he saw Moses and he saw Elijah. Think about that, talking with Jesus. I mean, this is a guy like you and I. And here he is on this mountain, and he's seeing the risen Christ in all of his glory, and he sees, my gosh, that's Elijah. I heard about you. That's Moses. Moses, I heard about you. All the stuff you did. What an awesome man of God. What an awesome prophet you are. And there's Jesus. I got an idea. Let's build three tabernacles here. And then he heard the voice of God. Think about that. Peter. He sees these men of God. He sees the glorification of Jesus Christ, and he literally puts his foot in his mouth, and then God Almighty from heaven, whose voice is never heard, for the first time spoke into earth, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Peter was messed up. Think about that. But he was, he was driven to be with Christ, but yet he saw all these wonderful things. Now, you would think that he was as solid a believer as they came. Wouldn't you? You know how it's amazing how quiet it got in here. If I would think Peter, Peter, man, what a man of God. Was he? Well, he walked on water. Yep, he sure did. He saw every miracle. Yep, he sure did. He even did miracles. Yep, that's Peter. I mean, Peter was an incredible man of God. And yet, and yet, you would think that he was so solid in his belief. Jesus said, will I find faith on the earth when I return? Will it now look? Will I find faith in the church? He said, Will I find it on earth? Is it going to be on earth when I get there? You know what that speaks to me? That speaks to me of a church, not you, but a, a, a universal church, the body of Christ in the earth. It's not doing anything. We're believing, but are we? Because if it were, wouldn't we be doing? And if we're doing, wouldn't we be seeing? Makes sense to me. So Jesus said we're going to find it. So is the church going to be this incredible, all of a sudden, overnight, this powerful, prophetic, awesome, healing machine that's going to shake the world upside down? I don't see that. I don't see that. 
No, hang on with me very carefully. I know you're depressed right now. I want to bring you back to a few moments ago when you said, tell me, kill me, shoot me. All right. <clears throat> I'm doing that right now. But we all know how he denied the Lord three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. Even cursed as he was denying the Lord. No way in my mind and no way in your mind would Peter ever backslide. But he did. But he did. While Jesus was going through the most difficult time in his life, being beaten beyond recognition, I find what happened next very moving because it changed my life forever. Jesus was close enough to hear Peter, as I said before, close enough to hear him. Now, the Lord, the look that he gave Peter would change Peter forever. Just Jesus, at that very moment, the Bible says, looked into Peter's soul without saying a word. He looked into his soul, and it changed Peter forever. And the Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. Think about that. He said, well, yeah, he repented. That's not what that says at all. He didn't ask God to forgive him. He wept bitterly. Why? Because Jesus looked into his soul and exposed everything that Peter was. He was not the man everybody thought he was. He was going to be, but he wasn't. Peter had seen and Peter had heard every single thing that Jesus ever did, but obviously it had never changed him. Guys, if you miss everything else, that's fine. Listen to this end of this here very carefully. Until Jesus gave him the look, that look made Peter weep bitterly and in the end brought him back to Jesus in a full commitment. A man who thought he was fully committed, a man who had seen it all, a man that says, surely I will die with you. Are you kidding me? You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. There's no way that's going to happen. Not with me around. Not going to happen. But yet, it happened. And yet, we think we can be casual believers, casual attenders, casual givers, casual in our walk with God, and expect to somehow victoriously ride on a white horse into the portals of heaven because there's the entrance open for you that is wide and accepting. But yet, that's not what the Bible says. Peter, who experienced it all, everything, saw it all. You never did, but yet you believe. Your faith is blessed because of that. But you never did. You never did walk on water. Most of you never did a miracle. Most of us are like that. But the truth of it is, this is what happened. And it happened to my soul several weeks back. That changed me. I didn't get up, run around the house, but my wife knew something had taken place. That now we're on track, we're on target. Because she said to God several months ago, and God said to her rather, because she's seen it in me, 
She knows who I am. She knows I'm real. I'm not a fake. I'm the real deal. She said she talked to God, and God says he has to make a decision. And unless he makes a decision, I'm not telling you what the decision is. That's God. And I agonized for weeks and weeks and weeks, and finally, God gave us this. Now, now this is the part I want you to hear. Don't miss it because we're going to let you go in a minute, okay? This is hard to even say. I jotted this down this morning. The miracles were not enough. The signs and wonders were not enough. Walking on water was not enough. The Mount of Transfiguration, seeing the glory of Jesus, hearing the voice of Jehovah God with his ears was not enough. The revelation of Jesus being the Christ was not enough. And this is a very hard thing to say, but I'm going to say it. Hearing the word of God daily was not enough. Wow. It wasn't until Peter received the look from Jesus, allowing Jesus to look into his soul, that alone changes you. Nothing else. Nothing else. That's why preachers can get in the pulpit who are living in sin, who are sleeping with everybody they get their hands on, men and women, it doesn't matter anymore, when they could steal millions of dollars from the kingdom of God and get in the pulpit and people of God say, aren't they wonderful? They're not changed. Here's what Jesus said. How many believe what Jesus said is true? Just read the red letters in the Bible if you got red Read the red letters alone. That's all you need. Just read that, and you'll get all you need, I promise you. He said, in the end, in the end, the very end of everything, people will say to me, I've done this, 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 and this, and this. And he said, I will say to you, I never knew you. Why doesn't he know us? Because we don't allow him into that realm of ours. I said, God, my soul is bared before you. Look into my soul. Don't let me miss you. Don't let me forsake anything you have. I'm not interested in ministry. I'm not. I preached about 7,000 sermons in my life. I don't need to preach 7,001. I don't need to do anything. All I need to do is allow God to look in me, and he's not finished with me, and he wasn't finished with Peter, not by a long shot. Even though he grossly misinterpreted Christ, Jesus comes back. Look what happens. What are they doing? Back to doing what he knows to do. He's fishing again, right? Caught nothing, man. And he looks at the shore and says, who is that? He said, come on, I got something for you to eat. Who is that? Somebody says, that looks like Jesus. Are you kidding me? So they start rowing the boat, right, to get to shore. And he said, have you caught anything? No. We, all night long, we haven't caught a thing. He said, well, you're on the wrong side of the boat. Get on the other side of the boat. 
And they did it, and they couldn't even get all the fish in the boat. And then what did Peter do? He looks up, and he dives in the water to swim to Jesus because they can't get there fast enough. Here is the man who denied the Lord, and now he allowed Jesus to look into his soul, and he comes back. And why did God use him? Why did Jesus use him at, on the day of Pentecost? Because he was allowed to look into his soul. And Peter became the most powerful of the disciples because of who he was. So powerful that walking down the street, at noontime, the shadow of Peter would cast on sick folk and they would get healed left and right. And Peter didn't care about that. The Bible says he did it, didn't even know what was happening because he was sold out to God. Are you sold out to God? Started with belief. Do you believe? Do you really believe? I would say the answer to most of us is probably not. But I want to. But you're never going to believe to that capacity until you allow him to look into your spirit, into your soul. Would you stand, please? Listen, I know there's going to be a mob at this altar. If there's not, and I'll never preach another sermon as long as I live. But I want you to make your way as quick as you can, as close as you can to this altar. If all of you come, that'd be a thrill. Come on up here, all of you. Well, I don't really, I'm not really going through anything. You lie. You're going through stuff. Everybody's going through it. Nobody is that close. You can't get closer than Peter was. You can't get any closer than Peter was. And yet he needed that. Push over the edge in the spirit. I will not let flesh rule me. Yeah, it wants to. And yeah, it'd be nice to have your flesh rule you sometime. But you can't allow that. You've got to say, no, 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 no. This is single people. Stay pure. Let me just say it one more time. Single people, stay pure. Fight that good fight. Don't give in to some nonsense that's going to have a, a moment of pleasure, maybe. But after that, your soul is scarred again. And you keep pushing this stuff down in your soul. You've got to allow Jesus to look into you and open you up so he can take that junk out of you to really make you what you were called to be. Peter had no idea what he was called to do until after that look. And then he knew this is a real deal. And that's why Peter, at the end of his life, I will gladly now lay down my life. Only I have one request, crucify me upside down because I am not worthy to die like my Lord died. Are you hearing me? Where do you hear that kind of preaching today? That now it's just a pep rally. Let's just pep everybody up, get you all excited about it. Guys, listen, learn to recognize truth and learn to recognize lies. They got seminars all over the country. You could pay a couple hundred bucks or whatever and go in and they'll pump you up for a few days. You shouldn't have to go to church to get that. Is there anybody out there today? Say amen, please. I feel all right. I know I'm always, but you know what? That's what apostles do. Root out, pull up, shatter everything, break it all, kick it out of the, drive it out of the temple, and then lay a foundation and begin to build. That's what we do. And we're about to do that in another area that I'm so pumped about, I could hardly breathe thinking about it. My wife and I sit here, oh, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be great. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, we're like, chunk. I got I to gotta, I gotta get out of Arizona. I got to get, get going. Much as I love you guys, I got to go. My wife, 
I have not seen minister like that fire I saw this morning. She's always been great, but there's a live fire in her. And it's burning brightly. Something's going on. I leaned over to my daughter. My daughter knows where we're going. So I leaned over to my daughter and I, I mentioned the city. I said, man, they are in for trouble. And she says, yeah. What'd you, what'd you say she was? She was, oh, look at her. She's over there doing her thing. She's on fire. You're not even paying attention. Nah, whatever. How many of you are really sincerely ready? The depths of your soul say, God, look into me. Look in me. Don't, don't look at your failures. Peter had a bunch of them. How many have denied the Lord in this group? After you got saved, he said, I don't know him. Get away from me, you blah, 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 blah. How many ever said that? That you've been saved? See? Think about it. You're not as bad off as he was. And yet God couldn't wait to get back to him and says, Come on, I gotta feed you. I want you to hear me. Now, yes, Jesus kind of gouged him a little bit because the word will gouge you. He said, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yeah. How many times he asked him? Oh, yeah. But God is good, isn't he? God is so good. He is so good. And I just want to say that I am committed to God. Oh, I'm going I'm to fail. I'm probably going to fail before I get out that back door. But that's not the issue because the blood will cover that. I'm talking about my commitment to have my destiny, my future, my purpose. Make sure I don't miss a thing in life. I want to I get it all. Don't you want to get it all? See, you guys, listen. It may have not started the way God wanted it to start. Cool. But it's going to end the way God wants it to end. Because you two are going to do ministry stuff. You might as well get ready for it. I mean... There's people who hate you because of what you did. And there's people who love you because of what you did. It doesn't matter what they think. What matters is that God looks into your soul. How many times have I told you this? How many times have I told you? God, there's something in you. There's something in this boy. Something on this boy. When he opens his mouth, he's anointed. There he is. That doesn't make him perfect. It makes him a Peter. Messed up. But he opens his heart. God, look in my soul. That's what I just did, brother. God, look in my soul. I don't want to miss a day of what God has for me. Not a day. Raise your hands. Raise your hands, sweetie. Hallelujah. This is a turning point in your lives. God takes the broken. God takes those. And he begins to turn their hearts. Get ready for what God's about to do in your lives. In Jesus' name, touch right now. Jesus' name, touch right now. In Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. Bless this union. Satan, you will never get into this union. In the name of Jesus. All the rocky roads they have been down. There's a smooth path waiting for them together. In Jesus' name. Bless them. Right now. Hallelujah. 
Are you really ready to give it all to God? This day of easy believism has got to be over. I see it every day on television. Just say this prayer. We're okay. You're cool. You're cool. Here's your ticket. Now you go to heaven. Nothing can be further. That's not even in the Bible. What's in the Bible is he's got to see you. He's got to know you. He has to know you. What did he say to the other disciples? Somebody could help me out. He said, have you, Philip, have, you been, have I been so long with you, Philip, that you've not known me? Think about that. To be in his presence bodily. Jesus. To be in his presence and never know him. Or him know you, which is even more important. How many want him to know you? Raise your hands all over this place. There's nothing magical about this. It's just committing right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I commit to you. I give you permission to look into my soul. Change everything that needs to be changed. Root out the problems, the rebellion, the sin. Take it out of me. I want to know you. And I want you to know me. I want to spend the rest of my days, however long that may be, knowing you and you knowing me. Now, Holy Spirit, seal this by your anointing. And we give you praise for what you've done in my life today. We deposit this anointing in our lives and those around us. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Quinn, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. The Holy Spirit says to tell you that you're going to go to this supernatural level level and you're going to have that Miriam spirit that God is going to give you such a, a dance of joy and with that Miriam dance that he's going to give you spiritually it's not a physical dance but it's a spiritual dance that everything around you is going to begin to collapse if it's negative and God says every bit of joy is going to be restored into your house and the Lord says because you've been faithful daughter because you've actually made many sacrifices as a young woman of God, that God says he's about to change your season, that the corner is about to be turned for you. And there has been, in your past, the Lord says, so much chaos, not in your personal life, but just chaos around you. And God says, because of that Miriam spirit, that all the things from the past that you've had to deal with, all the things that you've dealt with, even as a small girl, God says he's about to turn that corner for you. And that will be something you will have a blind heart to, a blind eye to, a blind emotion to. Because with that Miriam spirit, God's about to elevate the gifts that's on the inside of you. Because the Lord says, daughter, I heard you say, I want to have the gifts. I want to be used in the gifts. I don't know that, but God does. I, you never told me, but God did, that God says he's going to begin to use you in those gifts. 
And the Lord says, don't be shy, daughter, because there's some things you just got to step out in faith with. But God says, as you lay hands and you see, because I've already given you great wisdom, the Lord says, daughter. And now I want that spirit to rise up in you and start using that gift that you've held back for so long out of fear and insecurity. Can I? Will I? Should I? But God says right now, in the name of Jesus, Thank you, Father, for the new season. Thank you for this beautiful woman of God. Thank you for the word. Let it penetrate into her spirit in the name of Jesus. And Satan, you loose her from every fear and insecurity in this new walk that she has this Miriam joy that God's about to bestow upon her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just lay there and bless God. Father, we thank you for this impartation today over this church, Father God. We thank you for the strength of your anointing in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the covering of our house, Lord God, that, Lord, as they begin to excel in what you've called them to do, that, Lord, it will run into this house in the name of Jesus. We will see the things that our covering has said, Father God. We will fall in alignment with what our covering is calling into this house, a spirit of righteousness and purity, integrity, Father God, and a hunger for the lost, Lord God. We receive receive this word in the spirit God we take it deep on the inside of us in the name of Jesus we thank you for the gift that you have set ahead of us and before us and above us we receive this gift with great joy father God and we thank you God that as you send them God as you have the clarion call of the Holy Spirit let's just pray for our covering right now father God we thank you for them we thank you that God there is a wave of the Holy Spirit that God there's an ocean that's about to take them up a wave that's about to cause them to rise above father God that you're gonna send them far and you're gonna raise them high God I thank you for the sound of the trumpet in the spirit as they go into that area Lord God that Lord there'll be a sound of the Holy Spirit God that will begin to tear down break up release father God that you're gonna do what no man can do in the natural but Holy Spirit you're gonna have your way there going to fulfill the assignment of God on their life, Father God, and we commit to lift them up. We commit to be a barrier around them, Father God. We commit to celebrate the call of God on their life, Lord God, with great signs, wonders, and miracles following them, Lord God, that they're raising up generations and generations and generations with the sound of this end-time movement, Father God, and we are so thankful for them, Father God, and we give you praise. Let's just give the Lord a great big shout. Give the Lord a shout this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. How many have never heard our covering before? First time that you've heard him. Amen. Praise God. All of you already know what's up. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, please, just for one more moment. Find your way. And uh, I want to... Uh...